Put down your fishing pole and pick up your worms. It's time for China Spoilers. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of China Spoilers, the podcast where we talk about making videos, putting them on YouTube, and living in China. I am Emily and with me as always is Peter. Living in China. We are coming to you live to tape from lovely Whoop Woo Studios in Luzhou, Sichuan, China. Today we're going to be talking about collaborating with a writing partner, what it's like to write with someone as opposed to writing alone. Or against. Uh, or against someone. Mm -hmm. But first, let's check in with How's Your Uncle? It's been a busy week here at the offices of Woo Woo Studios. <laughs> <laughs> We've been getting out and about a lot, Peter and I, all around the city. The weather is... Hot. Hot and wet, but you know, you gotta take what you can get. But we've been we've been busy. It's been good. Um we did a lot of things. <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm I'm a little out of it because I'm super sore from going to the gym. Um that'll happen too. But it's it's a good I'm I'm stronger than ever. Uh I fell, I, ha I got a cold a few months ago, and so I kind of got out of the habit of going to the gym. And then I was just busy, so I've been ramping back up, and it is like, ugh, when you don't go. After a while, uh, it hurts again. And your coach is intense. He's very intense, um, which is good for me. Because I, I was thinking during this last session, because um, we're doing stuff like burpees with a, lifting a medicine ball over my head, which is like... That's not something I ever thought I would do in my life. But, like, how does he know? Because sometimes he can see, like, I'm really, really struggling. And so sometimes it's encouragement, and then sometimes it's cut the number of reps, which I'm curious, like, how can he tell? Because that's why I pay him, because I would put the number of reps at, like, five. <laughs> so he's the one, like, he's my motivator, and he pushes me to go further than I would otherwise. But, like, he also is trying not to kill me. But how does he know that I'm not actually dying? Yeah, That's we, my question. We're operating now on possibly that he's training you for some kind of military. <laughs> yeah, I have been doing stuff like the, I, I don't know, this is probably normal gym equipment, but it's like this long plastic tube with handles in it that looks maybe like a police baton barrier. And I've been doing different exercises where... I like lift it up and put it over my shoulder bazooka style or like I swing it around <laughs> and like I come home and tell Peter about these exercises and he's like I think you're getting trained for something um, which is good so in case in the coming global collapse yes I can take care of myself and me and you yeah so that's happening <laughs> the uh, the minor thing that happened this week is I love it when this happens so in our, we rent our apartment, but we pay a property fee to the grounds, which, you know, that's not such a strange thing to do. And we pay that quarterly, I think. Um, but 
so how they signify you're going, it's due, is they paste a little paper on your door, and then you're supposed to go down to the property office and pay it. Um, but if you don't do that, they'll come to you, which is, I don't know if this is like a punishment, because it incentivizes me not to go to the property office. Um, and because in China, you can pay for everything on your phone so easily. They just like, knock, 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 I take out my phone, boop. And then we're paid up for another quarter. It's so... Some things about China are, like, really inconvenient. But this is... Some things they, like, have figured out. I guess collecting money they figured out how to do. As long as you've remembered your password and all the different passwords that coexist with the other passwords. Yeah, but it's just, like, remembering your bank pin. And all other five or six. Mine are all the same. (laughs) Don't! (laughs) They're not. They're not really. But I have a good memory. (laughs) But the big news this week is that we had like a bunch of earthquakes, which was for this East Coaster, um, pretty frightening. They were so super mild here. In Ibin is the town over, and it was a little, there were some fatalities. There were like under 20, but still, that's a lot of people to die. That's enough. That's enough. And, And 200 injured. Um, here in Lujo, it was very mild, mild shakes, but it it happened both times. It happened Monday night, and it happened last night, um, just as I was going to bed, and then, like, it freaks me out, so then I can't go to sleep, which is, you know. It, they, they felt it in, in Chengdu, which is, what, four hours by car, so I don't know how long, mm. how many miles that is, but... Well, it, but, yeah, it was enough that the, the, the province itself was like, whoa, wake up. Yeah, well, I looked I looked up, because I don't know anything about earthquakes and they freak me out. I've been spending the past couple of days, like, researching what earthquakes are about. Mm-hmm. And so these were very shallow earthquakes, which means that the waves travel pretty far out. So it does make sense that it would get to Chengdu's a couple hundred kilometers away. Um, but I think because it was only 10 kilometers deep. That the waves it's travel that far. They're just um, worried about their surface looks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, 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 we've made it. We've made an earthquake. We've plant. made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I like research. Like, turns out, like the earthquake itself, you'll either get crushed by something or you won't. It's like the aftermath that you have to be prepared for. Um, so we do. We are actually pretty emergency prepared, just because like. Life in China is a little more edgy than life in America, so we do we have like clean water on hand at all times, and we have all our documents in one grab and go place. Um, so tune in next week in case we're a, we're a flat <laughs> yeah, cast. We're on the road. <laughs> we're on Fury Road. <laughs> but it is it's weird because so where I grew up, we got a lot of hurricanes, and so hurricanes to me. I mean, I know that they're super destructive, but I am not scared while a hurricane is happening and I am there. Sometimes you taunt them. Yeah. But earthquakes, even the, like, they were so mild where we were. And I, I checked in with the USGS, which is the U.S. United States Geological Survey. They encourage you to register, like, did you feel it? And then they have a little survey that you take. And as I'm going through the survey questions, I'm realizing, like, how ridiculous the level of fear I was experiencing for what happened. It's like, did doors shake open and close? Did lighting fixtures on the ceiling, how violently were they shaking? And ours was like, our our little light on the cheapy stand was going like this. 
So it was like, oh, <laughs> were appliances turned over? No. <laughs> what did you do when the earthquake happened? I ran into the living room. Like if it was a serious real earthquake, you wouldn't run anywhere. <laughs> You'd be toppled towards the wall. Or yeah, the... yeah. And the other thing is we are on the 28th floor, so it's freaky, but the building is designed to kind of wobble rather than just absorb the force of the shock. That's just physics. Um, so it was like a roller coaster. It was like a like yeah. Disney, I, Disney Shanghai. I hate roller coasters, though. <laughs> I do not go on roller coasters. And I do not like earthquakes. They freak me out. Or Disney. I don't have a problem with Disney. <laughs> Disney was fun. I went once. Once? When I was young. Never went back. Well, you hate it. Admit I, it! I didn't. I lived in New York. I didn't, wasn't, like, close to Disney. You got Times Square? <laughs> go on. <laughs> But anyway, so that's that's been on my mind. Earthquake safety and earthquake preparedness. And, you know, the thing to do if, it, if you're in bed is just cover your face with a pillow. And so now, now I'm prepared. <laughs> the Monday night one took everybody kind of, It was, because it wasn't violently shaky, but it did go on for a long time. Because um, usually, in my life, the, the count on two hands number of times... I've been in an earthquake. By the time you notice it, it's kind of over. And this one did, like, go on for, like, a minute. It was on social media. Yeah. And then, so, everybody, we could see, like, people were pouring out of the building uh, who were on the lower floors. But everybody was taking the elevator. So, we did, like, a risk calculation. Um, you went, we, to, went into the hallway to talk to our neighbor. Yeah. And so our neighbor was just, like, it was a nervous laughter. But she was like, oh, my God. And so we decided to stay put. And then, Ride it out. Then it was fine. On the top of the building. <laughs> Ride it out. Yeah. Um, and that, I think doing my research, given that there was no structural damage, was the right call. Um, so. So far. So far. <laughs> earthquakes made me nervous. And, Fair enough. And uh, we've, had, we've had two of them. That feels like too many. This week. Yeah. Apparently we had more, right? Yeah, but there was one like a, a couple weeks ago as well, but we didn't feel that one. That one was a little further away. Um, oh, and the Monday night one was actually like six. Registered six different events. Oh. Um, I don't know what that means. It was like... A6 what, on, a, on a scale? Well, or, actually... Or there were six different co earthquakes? Coincidentally, yes. There was a magnitude of six... Not not here it was not a magnitude of six, but mm. at the epicenter it was a magnitude of six, and then there were like six aftershocks. Whoa! Um, One more six, and that's the devil. Uh, Speaking well, of apocalypse, last night's was a five point three. Oh. So <laughs> six six five point three. <laughs> that's the channel of the devil. <laughs> the, the neighbor of the beast. <laughs> that's not my joke, but there you go. Um, let's go on to our new section. Is cross-cultural communication. We don't have a zippy title. Well, let's do this. Ah. So, just um, to, to thinking about our life in China, talking about our life in China, a big part of the challenge of living in a foreign country is, of course, talking to people in a different language who have a different cultural background. During earthquakes. Yeah, during earthquakes. That actually was fairly easy. I, was, <laughs> I asked her, should we go downstairs? And she was like, let me ask. And then she just went back in her apartment. <laughs> we did. We did the same. Cross cultural conversation. Yeah. Walk um, back into your apartment. Yeah. But 
um, something that's been on my mind is that joking around in a foreign language is really hard. Um, partly because not every culture has the same idea of what is funny. And Peter and I, we like, we like funny. So we've been thinking about this for since we got here. And it does seem that's what, what is valued as funny in Chinese culture, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I welcome it, um, is stating a counterfactual and then laughing at it. Just like saying something that's not true. Do you have an and example? That's the joke. <laughs> not, I don't have a good example, but why this is on my mind is because I have, have been having some banter with our doorman. He likes to ask me about Peter... What's Peter up to? Yeah. Um, and our, our current joke, I think, is because he asked me about... Because, you know, Peter, for those of you who don't know, Peter, two years ago, was very sick. And he's re he's been recovering ever since. Um, and, unrelated, Peter does not teach English. He works in our house making, making YouTube videos and art. Um, that's what he's doing full-time. Lucky him. Uh, <laughs> um, so that it's not a joke that when the doorman asked me, is, is Peter at work? And I said, no, he's working in our house. And I think that he thinks I'm joking about that. Um, but you are doing work in our house. You don't get paid for it yet, but that's, that's the life we have. Um, well, and how much is there actual, like, work from home? Here, I don't really know that many people that I've come across, anyways. That yeah, I don't. Maybe that's not. It's not super common, and it's probably not super common to be way. a freelance artist. Um, Particularly way out here in the boonies. Yeah, yeah. We're, we don't. We don't have a thriving cultural scene that would support, you know, doing art as a living here in Lucho. Um, <laughs> we do. It's a call a foreign teacher. You. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. So that's part of the joke, and then he asks me if you're busy making lunch, which I th think, you know, this is the small talk conversation we have every day at lunch, um, but I think he thinks it's a joke, but uh, like, <laughs> no, he is working in the house, and he is, he would be making lunch if we didn't order lunch. <laughs> um, but it's funny. But it, yeah, it's weird. And then another, like... So there's that, and we have this banter kind of every day, or like if it's raining, we'll talk about the rain, and, and that's that's not a joke, that's just as like, <laughs> people talk about the weather. But the other day, we did have like some kind of exchange where he was like telling me about a package, and then like the package wasn't there, and then he was laughing. So, I don't know, this is, <laughs> this is my... Could it be the, the tragedy that... Possibly it was delivered and you didn't pick it up, so he sent it back, so ha ha ha. I mean, maybe. There is a package. I ordered a hole punch that has supposed to have been arrived, and it hasn't arrived. I don't know, so... That would the, constitute from what I... What you, like, what you've said and what we've seen is... Yeah. Like, as... Isn't that funny? Like, you missed out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is... Not, a, not not in like let's, let's make fun of a foreigner way. It's, it's factually like, mean spirited, but the the 
the feeling of that kind of exchange wouldn't be mean spirited. We saw that like at, at the school, like all of, like our students and, our, and their their teachers, their Chinese teachers, like it was a running joke to be like, ha ha, you're miserable, ha ha, no, you're miserable. Yeah, like, yeah, and I, of... I think it's not a like, it's a bonding moment. Yeah. Even though it's it's the content is somewhat aggressive. <laughs> so we suspect because people have done it to us and it didn't feel mean spirited. Yeah, you know, yeah. You'd be out at dinner with people and they and people would like, hey, I mean it's kind of like broish kind of humor of like, and it's not just like from its men or anything, but like yeah. in America, like when when guys get together and we're like, hey, what you, hey, stupid head. I don't know what guys say, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I think that might be part I mean, of it. Women do it too. Hey, bitches! What? what yeah. like it's the same kind of. We'll, we'll all commiserate with like getting through another day on this stupid planet. Yeah, yeah. So in that respect, like we can find an analog in American culture, but it is what's confusing about it is like then you have to parse two different meanings going on. Like you have the actual words, what they mean, and then like that the the greater meta context of what the conversation is trying to achieve. So, I mean, I think that's for me what is challenging when when people I know start to joke with me. <laughs> Even though I like jokes, but then it's like, oh geez. I, I don't know I don't know what we're saying here. Um but I mean it also on on some level signifies that my language is getting there good enough to joke around, so I'm proud of that. And that like people people feel comfortable joking with me, which is nice, too. It helps with being in a neighborhood long enough that yeah. you, you, I mean, you say it's, you see the same, the same guy every day. At some point, it's, it's, the, he's either going to like you or he doesn't like you, so yeah. a yeah. smile helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess another example would be at the gym if I'm like, you know, really struggling, and my trainer will laugh, like, ah, you're struggling, keep going. I mean, he's very encouraging, and, and it, I don't feel like he's making fun of me, mm -hmm. but it is, it's it's an interesting fine line of, like... Yeah, I, I and could, also... Again, that, like, I could see how that might feel alienating if if you're feeling bad about other stuff in your life. Right, and also, partially, I w w would think here in Sichuan it's it's we're we're pretty rough and tumble country city yeah like there is like a very like well you fell down better pick yourself up gotta keep going yeah yeah I don't know anecdotally Tom and Jerry is a very popular cartoon here <laughs> <laughs> maybe farce is just well enjoyed even if it's your real life yeah <laughs> But it is hard because we've then, seen people like when when I was at the hospital and there's a woman. Uh, I forget what the whole story was, but like her husband and her were hit by a car. Or her husband died, or it's a, it's a horrible tragedy. And, oh, and, that's right. That's right. And our right. doctor, who's a very compassionate guy, was like laughing with her of like, oh yeah, you know, and uh, that's it. Try and walk now, ha, ha or whatever. I don't remember yeah, the story I was, I but I do remember. But yeah, it was a, it was a sad circumstance. But even in the hospital, but they like, were kind you know, of laughing and joking about it. Yeah. In hospitals, the the, the 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 attendants, the doctors, everyone has like a darker sense of humor. Yeah. But this, but this flowed with, into, the patients, with the patients. The very patients easily. also had a dark sense of humor yeah. about their situation. I mean, I, I definitely there was points where I felt like I was like 
well, we don't really need to be making fun of me here. All right, I guess we are. That's what yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt that too at, at some yeah. points. But yeah, I think I don't know. And then from the other side of it, sometimes when I try to say jokes in Chinese. That's really hard. I don't think I've successfully made a joke in Chinese. Because mm. um, for whatever, if I mangle, if I mangle the grammar, then the sentence is just unintelligible. And so if I'm saying a weird thing, they can't even like guess what I'm trying to say. Um, and then inadvertently, you say a word that sounds like a word that would be funny in Chinese, and they laugh, and you're like, "Whoa, what are you laughing at?" They're like, "Ah, you <laughs> said the number eight. Yeah. Well, it's like my kindergartners when we do the alphabet, "fang p" means to fart, and so when we say "p p pa pa pa," they're like, "Ah, that's hilarious!" <laughs> of course, it's hilarious. Um, but you know, kindergartners, so that's they're allowed <laughs> to be unsophisticated. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's. Just thinking about how hard it is to tell jokes. It's, I mean, it's hard to tell good jokes in your own. It's in your own country. Yeah, culture. and 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 really, because I, I think it is. It's highly contextual on like a shared value system. Really, and with I feel like whenever we go out anywhere to in in the cab at the mall in, in a, a small market at a restaurant, like with our local neighbors, like, we do a lot of laughing, whether they're our neighbors or they're strangers, like, everyone's always laughing. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I think... They're laughing at us, but, yeah. like, no, but we're I laughing mean, with them. We'll, we'll clown around and, and play up what's funny about us being foreigners sometimes. Yeah. We're and not, we're not ashamed too. to get a laugh that way. And vice um, versa, too. They, they, yeah. they have a sense of humor about themselves, yeah. and they'll, they'll, like, you know, maybe tell a joke about their friend who's at the table with us and they're like this guy over here like yeah uh, we got it yeah and I think it's it's part of why we like living in Sichuan is because part of the measure of a good time is like how loud your table is being mm -hmm. so it is like if you're laughing and and just like being loud everyone's like they know how to have a good time mm -hmm. um, so that's that's fun kudos to fun even if we don't always understand it. <laughs> um, but let's go on to conduct some business. So our YouTube channel is Hello Foreigner on YouTube. Um, and you can listen to this particular um, series, our China Spoilers podcast, on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you like. Um, but primarily, what, uh, the home of what we're doing right now is on YouTube under the channel Hello Foreigner. Um, so we want to talk about some of our successful YouTube numbers, just to toot our own horn. We are almost at 200 subscribers, which is, is big deal. Maybe by the time we put this up, <laughs> you could be subscriber number 200. Um, and we have a couple of videos that have over 500 views, which again, that's record-breaking for us. Well over. Which is, 550-something. Yeah. Um, so it's exciting. It's definitely something I... When we started the channel, I would say I would, like, check the numbers every day and look over the analytics and blah, blah, blah. And in recent months, I kind of have let that go. Which makes me feel good because I don't, <laughs> I don't care to obsess over like we lost a subscriber, we gained a subscriber, we lost, we gained. Because it just um, happens all the time. Yeah, and it does just, it's it's 
kind of irrelevant to the creative work we do because that's um, out of well, it's out of our control. So it is like and there are there are strategies and tactics we could do to kind of influence the numbers for the better. But really, that focus is is better served towards making the new work. And we started this for with the idea that we're going to do this as a creative project to get better at all these skills but there's a certain amount of starting a channel you have to like well, how does this channel work how do we get numbers how do we get seen how do we get yeah. change the algorithms to blah 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 blah, blah. and to some degree it's, it's it felt really like hard. an insult like anybody can have a youtube channel yeah. these idiots have a thousand subscribers right. Wait a second. Why don't we have any subscribers? So there was like a little bit of pride in the in the initial um, slow start that we were like we have to do better than this. Yeah. But like I personally, I feel after we hit a hundred and then it kind of started gathering steam on its own. I felt like I could disengage from wishing the number higher every day because <laughs> that's basically all I would I could do. Um, you pay a little more attention to the numbers. Yeah, well, but in, in a constructive way. I don't want to say it's all just wishing. <laughs> well, yeah, when, when uh, a lot of it is like pushing the, the, the video itself, the address around from, from site to site, from social group to social group, and like it, it gets exhausting. And at some point, like I'm reaching the point now too where like we've, we've, we've established that we can get a few people to watch us. Yeah. Now let's stop trying to, let's, rather than me spending hours trying to break into Instagram or something like that. Let's just focus on making our videos and making them better. Not that our videos are bad. We love our yeah. old videos, but like now it's just the reason why we started was to learn how to make really amazing videos. So we want to go from amazing to really amazing. And that's yeah, what we're working yeah. on and now. And the big push that we're working on now is kind of expanding out the kind of content we do. We had, we talked about this last week that we had this kind of, formula for a giraffe Sesame Street style episode where we have the giraffe host in a couple different segments that come in and out and we love those we love making those and we kind of are closing the book on that to expand for out the time. for the time being to expand out our our stable characters I guess really I mean it's only me and Peter but <laughs> Peter has been appearing more and more and we'll talk about this in the commentary um but now, like, Peter is getting, we're writing stuff specifically for Peter. He's not just, like, there in the background. And then as we go along, the giraffe is probably going to continue a little bit, but we're also going to write pieces for me not in a giraffe suit, um, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> but so all of that is to say it's fun to have these milestones, and it's also fun to, like, only look up at the milestones and not have to track, like, every one up or down yeah and, and especially now that we've like integrated a whole bunch of other when we were doing three channels mm -hmm. and now they're all back into the same fold and they're all part of the same story in the mm -hmm. same creative process so it, it consolidates everything and makes it a lot easier for us to like track and like look quickly like well if we do one of these kinds of we do a long video here we do a short video there then they can balance each other out we've not like yeah like i mean our other two channels kind of we just didn't pay any attention to like yeah was nice for those yeah. but like now they're helping the main channel grow yeah so. 
and we're just making what we want to make next. So that's, um, I'd recommend that. <laughs> that's, that's that's not the advice they give you, but it's. I think it's. It depends. Do you want your channel to be like a successful marketing scheme, or do you want to access your art and be creative and make work that you care about? And there's no way. Like, here's a here's a good story, from from this week that, so we have, the we we were divided up between our main vlogging channel, and we had Western Toilet, which is our music channel, which takes the music, from that's composed for the vlogs, and then just puts it as a song, on the other channel. So now we push those back together, and those Western Toilet music videos, they have some video footage on there that's just kind of thrown in for like the background. It's there for you to listen to. It's a music channel. So whenever I post, occasionally I'll post those music ones on music stations on uh, uh, and subreddits on Reddit, and that one of the, the groups there had put under our latest one, the one with the painting, uh -huh. So it's just a picture of a painting with music over it. And they commented underneath, underneath that this this Hello Foreigner group is just like blatantly stealing this Western Toilets music and calling it their own. And oh, really? It, and yeah, we're, oh, so, no. <laughs> we're, we're stealing Western Toilets music and making these, these exceedingly subpar videos, which is sad because the music is actually pretty well done. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, right? and that's like a good case for not having Western Toilet be a separate channel. Yeah, because no, that's all us. Right. So I I wrote back and I, and I explained how like oh we, we that is actually us. I mean it's kind of funny that you you're you're saying that we're stealing. <laughs> Thanks for our, defending yeah, us. Yeah, I, I, I mean I I said thank you for you know for 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 complimenting our 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 you know however you said the the music. Mm -hmm. you, you like the music, even though our videos are subpar or whatever. And he wrote back, I don't believe you. Please don't, or don't even, don't post here anymore. <laughs> so, that's well, weirdly right. hostile. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so but when, you, when you're dealing with these things, like it, 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 these are the kinds of stuff that you have to, like, if I'm pushing this out and I'm worried about how people are perceiving things... Mm -hmm. and, and how, I mean, there's the, the information is there that Western Toilet is us. It's the music that we're making for our videos. Like, there's, you, you only have to scratch the surface to tell that this music is being made for Hello Foreigner by an entity that is us, that is Western Toilet. It's not yeah. that hard to figure out. We actually just give you the links. Even if it wasn't a different, if it was a different band, we still you'd give you the link of where it comes from on SoundCloud to go check out that band, which you would see as us and our faces and yeah. everything like that. But this, the, the dealing with this kind of annoyance is why people get so upset with this, and it bogs you down. If I was still worried about this, like now it's a funny joke, but like at the time as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my god, I, I'm going to need to address this. Yeah. No, how about we just go make another video and yeah, forget about yeah. it. Well, and we were just kind of talking before that, like, before our podcast today, that the act of being admired, like, in, or fandom, the fan fanning towards an entity, whether that's us or whether that's Whitney Houston, mm -hmm. I don't know, famous people, <laughs> um, there's not a reciprocal, like, Whitney Houston, when she was alive, did not feel your admiration and love and fandom like that wasn't that's not that's not a two-way street she don't know you 
Yeah, and whereas like social media has kind of pushed that to the forefront, I think maybe not in a very healthy way, because mm. um, it like the 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 respect of our peers and the appreciation of our fans, like that is important to us insofar as like it's meaningful that someone is connecting with the thing that we made, but it's not like being admired bumps up my health points for the day or whatever. <laughs> like, it doesn't make me a happier person. And and getting addicted to, like, seeing that the thumbs up go up, I don't think it's, it's good for anybody because that, that that's, like, the secondary reason to make art is because other people like it. The first reason is because I like it. Yeah. I like the act of making. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate for detaching from all that <laughs> um and i can and i acknowledge that i can do that because peter does um that the work that is necessary that you do have to connect well yeah i mean the, it, if you're talking whitney houston or whoever even tiny little minor stars have press people that are going out and taking care of these things it's and it's just not it's not conducive to the artist to, to do that but the, with things like social media Especially if you're more like art based on something like YouTube, mm-hmm. like where you're you're actually creating stuff. You're not just like commenting on other people or or you know commenting on I don't know armchair politics or something useless. Mm-hmm. That you are actually I'm creating a new thing out of nothing. If you have, if you're doing it for other people, then it's it's just nothing but like, you know. That's how there's so many people that are having like breakdowns in this medium that are just like I I don't know why I'm doing this. Just everyone seems to hate me. Like even if I get five likes, I get three dislikes, and mm-hmm. I I don't know if I can stand it anymore. Like right. the I mean YouTube knows it even if they're not doing anything about it. Like yeah. they, they well, know I, that people. I think are, that social feedback is what makes the platform addictive, mm-hmm. but that doesn't that's not healthy at all. And the the feeling of like. Un- unmoredness of, of like you have you don't know what your direction is it means that you're being too pushed around by what other people mm-hmm. think so I think um yeah, if you yeah that's to, I mean that's if you that's to, how I deal with it if you have to worry <laughs> about, ignore it <laughs> if you have to worry about being creative whether people are going to hate you for being creative like yeah. why would you bother doing anything at all yeah because on the the I think the the addictive system of likes and and you know, every passing stranger passing judgment on you, negative. But there is the bonus of social media of, like, we have met, virtually met and talked to interesting people who we would never have had the chance to have to exchange words with. So it's not all bad, but it is, I think... Well, predominantly... It's up to you. You have to, like, maintain your focus and, like, having online conversations that, that stimulate you, that's the bonus. Getting obsessed with, like, that my video doesn't have enough views and the amount of time I wanted to have views, that's not so bonus. <laughs> right. Well, most, usually, for, for most artists, it does tend to be that you have, you get surrounded by nothing but, or not nothing, but mostly positive. Uh, otherwise, mm. you wouldn't have anyone at all viewing or going to your concert or right. watching your TV show or going to see And there your is something to be so, said just, like... For being fragile and needing someone to like pump you up, <laughs> right, right. But <laughs> but, the, a fan. It, but it tends to be the, that if you get five people that 
absolutely love your work, it's the one person that's going to, to say like, hey, I actually used to think, and that's the person oh, you're yeah, going to think yeah, about yeah. all day long. Yeah. That's what erodes yeah. your mental health. <laughs> so take care of yourselves. Yeah. Um, one last kind of back to channel business is, so in service of the kind of new experimental direction we're going in, YouTube and the internet in general is a sea of contextless content. So we've tried to, we've, we've spruced up our homepage to make the layout kind of make a little more sense out of playlists. User friendly. Yeah, user friendly. Because it is like, we know that the, any given thing you look at on the internet is like, what the hell is this? Um, so and you don't know if we're, we're we're making videos of how to live in China or how to teach in a foreign country or whether we're a band or we're a we're a YouTube station that's stealing yeah. a band's music that is our own. And is this, is this a channel featuring me? Is this a channel featuring Peter? Is this mm. a channel featuring a giraffe? <laughs> um, so we are kind of organizing our content to make sure that it is um, accessible and approachable. Um, At least as much as we need it to be. Yeah. To the, and the way to the way we talk about it internally is like having a store. Like you don't just dump all your products on the floor and like let people sort it out. You, you know, you make some semblance of order. Unless it's filing in the basement. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not bar- we're not a bargain. <laughs> we have full price. Um, Nothing but quality views. But yeah, you want to make it look good, so that's we did a or Peter did a little work on that this <laughs> you're, week. And you're gonna finish it up. And I'm gonna finish it up. Um, but let's move on to homeschool, homeschool. A quick tidbit before we get into the meat of our topic this week is, so we've mentioned in the past we have an action, a knockoff no-name action cam that has been broken for the past couple months. It's in the living room, but it's not here. Um... And I fixed it yesterday by figuring out that all along these few months, I've been pressing the record button, not the on-off button. <laughs> so that's why it hasn't been turning on. So it's not broken. Ta-da. Um, so that's that's your official, it, have you tried turning it on and off again <laughs> uh, reminder. Which is like one of your pet peeves in life. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, no. The thing is, is that it's a, it's a knockoff of a, a GoPro. So it, yeah. and the price definitely, you know, clued you in if you didn't know. So when we got it, it definitely did not do what we thought it did. But you know, we could use it for a few little things, yeah. whatever. So th- if it broke, it broke. We were kind of easy to just be like, well, I guess that's that. Well, let's check it one more time. Oh, the button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because there have been stuff that it is like it's glitchy sometimes, and the the. Camera, the image quality is not as good as advertised. Um, so we were kind of like, of course it broke like eight months in. Mm-hmm. And like, no, it actually wasn't broken. <laughs> Just needed to be charged and then you needed to press the right button. Um, and then it goes back to its usually crappy working self. Yeah. Yeah, which is good enough for us. Yeah. We've got a clutch together. You go, go back and watch our, our, our videos and you see if you can see which crappy camera we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> our petting zoo of equipment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it was satisfying to figure that out. And then like a little bit embarrassing that that is what the problem was. <laughs> um, but keep, keep, keep working and you'll figure it out. Um, but let's talk about writing. So Peter and I have been writing a lot more together 
which is a unique unique experience for both of us. And um, yeah, just not that we were everything was was willy nilly in the past. You you did write stuff. But well, we had kind of a separation of of craft of like I would do this part and you would do this part and we'd give each other feedback about our separate parts. Um, but now with the, this the past couple scripts that we wrote um, are very much. It's not like we talk about an idea together. I go away and write it, and then we look at it together. It is like word word by word we write it together, which is tricky to do. I've done collaborative writing in the past with other partners, and I have not always found it a fruitful experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I can tell you how we work. I don't know if I can tell you why it works better than in the past. I th maybe it's just Peter and I know. Peter and I have discussed our viewpoint and creative goals so much that we're already on the same wavelength. Whereas, like with other, we do we do have a common goal as to what we're doing yeah. as an art project. It's not we're not just like throwing videos out into space. We actually know what we're doing it's yeah. just a matter of figuring out how to get there <laughs> yeah and i think where it has not been successful for me with people in the past is that we maybe weren't so creatively aligned at the start and then when we got going it was like i want to go over this way i want to go over this way this isn't working out <laughs> that's what happened to the beatles and van halen yeah <laughs> <laughs> but a big part of the formula is actually that we leave the house to go we have our studio here, of course, but it's been, it feels like a treat to go out to the coffee shop to write, but it is also like, we have no excuses for not getting down to business if we're at someone else's mm. place. Like here in our apartment, we can go, I'll just go make a cup of tea and clip my nails. And it's a standard cliche, of course, yeah, that you're going to yeah. go to Starbucks and, and work. And we yeah. don't go to Starbucks, but we do yeah. go to a coffee shop and it does make it easier to you. It does, you set down a focus. Yeah, it's very hugely beneficial for focusing. Um, I always found that. And I think, you know, that's one of the things when we are a money-making operation, I think, like, having an office to go to every day... Or we buy a coffee house. ...is important. Mm -hmm. Or we buy a coffee house. I'm not really interested in... in Managing a coffee restaurant house? Restaurant management, no. Um, <laughs> but I think <laughs> having... Having a place to go to just like it feels like you're going to work, even if you're working for yourself. And so, I mean, that's we didn't invent that. That's a big thing everybody says. Um, and then, so, but how we've been, we've been like, so what we do, I guess, I'll start there, is that one or the other of us will will pick out a premise. And actually, I have a, a whole notebook going of of ideas that come to me, and Peter has his. He has a list of ideas that he's been having too. So we, we choose a premise that kind of speaks to us, and then we start from there. And we um, maybe sometimes there's like an immediate line that occurs to to one or the other of us or a joke. Um, but then we we kind of build. We also have a running notebooks that well we're creating those by actual like lines that are that do happen in real life that we're like that's yeah, yeah, write yeah, yeah, that yeah, one yeah. down and then that's how we make up our lists. Yeah. Like, I have kid in a three-piece suit written down in a notebook because I saw a, a small child wearing a three-piece suit, and it was great. Um, <laughs> and we don't know where that's going to go, but it's going to go somewhere. Keep your eyes open. Um, 
And then I think what's helping, so we've talked a bit about like that we are starting to focus on character rather than scenario. So it is like we've picked the scenario, but then if we're writing a Peter script, um, we think like how would this character react to that scenario? And that's actually what's important, not so much like what the plot of what happening is. Mm. Um, and so Peter's character we've kind of developed over the past couple weeks. We originally nicknamed him the China Spleener um, <laughs> to, as a, a reference to <sighs> mansplaining that happens in China. <laughs> and everywhere. Um, and everywhere. But that, like, specifically explaining China in a way, in an authoritative way that is unearned. Um, yeah. <laughs> and But more than just a parody of, like, know-it-all guys, um, we've decided that Peter the China Splainer, and this is an unwieldy name, so we're trying to think of something different to call him, because just calling him <laughs> Peter is a little confusing, because that's really who he, you are. Um, but Peter the character, I guess we can say. Still um, unwieldy. <laughs> is, yes, he wants to explain everything to you, but it, it, was, it was too subtle, I think, we felt, to just get stuff wrong. Because people, people might think we would just were wrong, not mm, like yeah. trying to be wrong on purpose. Um, so Peter, the character, we've decided is, is kind of a maniac. And um, that all kind of was encapsulated by the haircut video where he explains how to get a haircut in which he claims to have trained his hair not to grow so he never needs a haircut. Like, because he says a couple of outrageous things in that video. Um, but we wanted to make it clear, like, that we, the real Emily and Peter as writers, know that they're actually yeah, out outrageous. So we wanted to, like, push it as far as we can go. Depending on who you are, you might just believe that I believe that I've trained my hair. But which is... Yeah. The, the amount of, like, how... How far you have to press character, and this isn't just for YouTube, uh, yeah. or even in this day and age, like the. Well, it's we like any I, any satire that's sufficiently good is indistinguishable from truth. So we wanted to make sure, like, people don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that these are the views of Hello Foreigner. Well, well, rather than just kind of like, and this is part of us of. Well, because we struggled so much with like, do we even call ourselves a vlog from the very beginning? Like, because we didn't really feel comfortable and we don't want to sit in front of the camera and tell you that this is what happened in our boring life or this is how your boring life should be more like ours or whatever <laughs> that that format is but life but is boring overall. Life, oh no matter what life is going to be boring <laughs> but the 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 more that we we wrote and, and made these these videos as like a I don't know, our strange version of ourselves, mm -hmm. it was what we thought was funny. People would just think is just our, we're just, bleh. like, yeah. I, so to, to push, to find out how, how far we have to keep pushing things to make them absolutely ridiculous is astonishing to us. Like, really? We really have to say this? All right, here's the joke now. And <laughs> then it finally lands. But, I mean, also, we like that kind of humor. Like, we like the absurdism. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, in particular, not being a fan of explaining things, um, like mixing the absurdity with the explanation. Well, it makes it... As a commentary on <laughs> how absurd it is to try 
to explain every single thing. Yeah. The, the it's it makes it a lot more freeing uh, of because uh, it it like it, it does feel a little bit more precious if you're like eh, you know we're just kind of like putting stuff on tape and you know we think it's kind of funny and if someone's like that's not funny at all we're like oh I'm sorry to upset you whereas yeah. in like if we're just literally writing these things to be like okay we find this absolutely absurd. And if you don't get it, like, I don't really care. This is, now it's fun. Now yeah, we don't have yeah. to be worried about, like, are we hurting people's feelings? Because we're not doing anything bad, so I'm not worried about it. But, like, yeah. if you don't catch on as to what we're saying, like, that's cool, move along. Yeah, we fully accept, like, there's people who are not going to be into what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think we started from a place of, like, everybody should like this. And, like, nice. that's, that's... We're so nice. We're so nice. But we're not. We're not nice. <laughs> but as far as the process goes, so we, we come at it from that mindset of what would this character say. And then I think, the like, literally it is us saying lines to each other and then I write them down. I type them down. But I think, especially because this is for a piece that's to be performed rather than, like, a, a book to be read or an article to be read, mm. it is important that we say them out loud to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that as we're going along, there's even stuff like we had a line where I said a ton of something. And, the, the words oh, matter. Yeah, that the words matter, and like the con, there was a consonance there that if we changed it to a bunch of bees versus a ton of bees, like yeah. so saying it out loud helps you hear it, and like that's also um, this may sound like super obvious, but like before you go to camera, make sure, like, you read through the whole thing at least once. Because <laughs> um, that, like, you can, you hear where stuff is working or not working. And that, so I think that's, like, a crucial, just keep reading it out loud is, is a big crucial part Right, of because process. once, the, the, the words matter and then the performance matters afterwards. Yeah. Like, if you are getting those, those, I mean, it, it's funny, we're re-watching those couple episodes of, uh, with Will Ferrell in The Office. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of what he says on paper just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because it's, not because it's so weird, but because it's so boring. Like, that, I mean, that's pretty much, I, I, from, I mean, I'm not a huge fan or anything, but, like, from what I've seen of a lot of his stuff is he plays the average boring guy mm-hmm. to an extreme that, like, breaks at some point. So it happens in his line of, like, what like the one that always sticks out for me was, and I didn't even watch the movie. It was I think with Marky Mark Wahlberg, where they, he, the, they're cops or something like that, and they, they're sitting in an office, and he takes a glass with a cucumber. He's like, "That is refreshing." Like, mm. I, I don't I don't know what the context of his character is or whatever, but like that was enough to tell me of like, this guy looks funny, says a normal thing, that interrupts uh, it, it, this this able to... This is disruptive normalcy. Dis- yeah, yeah. There, there's something to how he delivers these things that are mm-hmm. that are absolutely bland that makes him hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the performance of that is yeah, something that, yeah. that, I mean, we're not actors. We never tried to do that. So trying to, like, write these words going, like, that's funny. What do I do to now? Oh, crap, I gotta act it. Right. Well, and that's... that. I mean, we're trying to make each other laugh as we're putting it down on paper. And it is like, if something makes us laugh, it's in. If something is like, 
if uh, you get the oh that's funny like that's not good enough yeah. and so that's that's our standard for what gets written down and then I guess I'm interested in this because the way we're shooting it is Peter doesn't memorize it um, I read him the line from the script and then he says it in his choice planner character um, and I when I when we started doing this, I was kind of giving you a reading like if I was reading the script, mm -hmm. but I don't know if you've noticed, I've tried to kind of neutralize how I'm giving you the lines, mm -hmm. um, and then, then you kind of, does that, yeah, yeah, have what, you what, noticed what, that? Do you, what, <laughs> what it does for me is it, it, it that technique where, where, where people, like the, the one that everyone talks about with Christopher Walken, uh -huh. where he, yeah. he erases all the punctuation and stuff like if I'm being fed a line, all I have is a, an, an immediate reaction. I mean, we wrote the lines, so I know yeah. what they are and what they're supposed to mean. But throwing out, I think we talked about it in the last one, where not the characters can't know what the character's going to say next. Yes, Like, everything yes. has to be a surprise. So I'm blanking out my mind. You're reading me the line, and I'm like, how do I react to that? I react to it this way, and no, we'll try to get I'll react to this way, and, and then pick up the best one afterwards. Good thing for editing. So, mm -hmm. like, it is a matter of, like, I'm forgetting what's happening and then reacting to it. Right. Because yeah. I can't remember my lines. Because there is, I mean, you make very different choices than what I would have made with the same script. Um, and that, I mean, that makes sense because you are acting out a different character. Mm -hmm. um, we are also working on a Emily, the character, character. Um, and continuing the draft. And continuing character. the draft. Um, but yeah, so the, the draft with the same words, for example, would have a very different reading mm -hmm. and feeling behind the things that she's saying. And also would not say the same words. Well, and then, yeah, that's even further, is, is that we would use different words, and we do use different words, and there is, there has been some times where we say a line and uh, while we're writing, and, and, like, that's not the word Peter would use, um, so we have to, you know, find a different word. Yeah. Um, there is sometimes just word brainstorms, <laughs> um, which is, you know, that's writing. That's, yeah. That's what writing is, word brainstorming. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's been it's been a fun experiment writing together. Um. Well, it gives it gives a lot more of. I mean, I've tried writing myself, and I've always found that like characters, uh, like most writers, but you've talked about it yourself that like you tend to write. Here's the ten different versions of me in this story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is me with long hair. This is me with short hair. Yeah. This is me as a woman. This is me as a dog. Let's see how they all react. Oh, the same. How oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, it's, uh, even though we know each other so well, it is, like, interesting to get that, that glimpse into each other. Like, oh, that's what, you react that way to stuff, and I react this way to stuff. And I think, um, oh, no. I lost my train of thought. Act, reacting differently to each other and writing into partners. I'm a dog, oh, you're a giraffe. Oh. That you are much less precious, I've noticed, about mm. in the editing process. So we, you know, generally do a first draft and then the next day do a second draft or however many drafts that we need um, because that's where writing happens, <laughs> rewriting. Um, but I've noticed, like, sometimes we'll get to a joke and you'll be like, nah, that's not working. And I'll be like, but that was your joke. We wrote it down. <laughs> it's written down. Do we fix it? Nope. Throw it away. We can just cut it, which is, you know, that's good. That's a good way to be, I think. 
Um, or or try and save it for another time. Yeah. Or, but but it does... I'm much more like, if it's written down, that's what we're doing. So we either have to work with it or fix it. Um, and you are much more like, I don't like that today. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if it didn't work that day, that's that's a thing. If it if it doesn't really work in general, maybe it worked last or week. Like you, or like, it was just, when you just... When we start like talking about something, and then like the next day, I'll bring it back to you, and you'll be like, "Oh, it's just a suggestion. We could do something different." <laughs> yeah. Well, anything to like usually. I kind of I think that's where like because so much of what I do is right here behind the computer. Mm-hmm. Physically, even though it's on the screen, I'm physically manipulating sounds, notes, pictures, colors. So like, I don't. If I'm like looking for like a color palette of of how but picture should look, I'm not like thinking like, um, you know, this one has to be pink. This has got to be pink. Right. Maybe it's this kind of pink. Maybe it's that kind of pink. Like, it's easy for me to just wipe that aside and be like, blue, let's try it again. Like, yeah. There's, there's editing process that is, you got to keep the train moving forward or else you're going to get stagnant. And then you, next thing you know, like you're saying, like it's at home. I'm gonna go make some tea. I'm gonna go yeah. like maybe do something else, and then you forget, like, oh crap, what do I was doing? I was avoiding pink. Was that why I was? <laughs> well, and and I, not to say like, oh, your way of working is so good, and my way of working is so bad. Mm-hmm. I think that actually there are good ways that work in concert together because mm-hmm. I will. Um, I'll forget whole. Whole passages of yeah, things. yeah. So I, I, I feel like I, I maintain the integrity of our structure, and you are good at like pushing and pulling it in in ways. Because sometimes I've like in other I've, ways I've dismissed something, and you're like, well, what about this whole thing? And I'm like, I don't know, what, what, what was that? And you're yeah. Like, oh, so you want to get rid of it? Like that's I don't the know, whole tell- crux of what we're doing. <laughs> and then you read it back to me, and I'm like, oh, that's really good. Did we do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it is. Um, I think. It's good to have two different creative types in a mm-hmm. in a collaboration, um, and so that's that's what's working for me too. So, good job, us. Just like Beatles and Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything more specifically about the writing process that you want to talk about, or mm-hmm. do you want to move on to talk about individual videos? Well, yeah, we 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 are going to do we're going to do the same kind of stuff for for you. And for the giraffe, and then hopefully, through these, as we develop these characters, we're going to integrate them more and more into it. Like, if we're going to spend, let's say, whatever the next month or two or whatever working on small characters, Mm -hmm. the hope is to bring these characters together and make go back to making bigger pieces Mm -hmm. after we've developed these kind of tools. We've spent so much time. On the physical side of how to make cameras that don't work work and, and, all the, and lights and things like that, that were part of, it's not just me, we just put those three videos out the last three days and we're going to start writing on your character and we're going to mm-hmm. start putting the giraffe and then figuring out how all these characters live together in China, in yeah. Zhou. And so, I would say it's been a pretty natural evolution from around February, just like we kind of discuss a topic or a theme and then turn the camera on and I would riff towards where we kind of discuss the theme more than just like mentioning two words and then to where we got to like, here's the ideas, let's think of a good one or two liner on that subject 
to like full on we're we're focusing on writing now. Yeah. Like there's no there was There's no ad libbing. There was we went from an improv situation to improv where most of our our creative days would be spent shooting to now most of our creative days are spent writing and then the shoot is now that we have a tight script um just, the shoot's just, fairly just, quick yeah just jam right through it and, um, and so yeah all the work i think as as a writing tool is is the the most of our work is is now in writing for you know the meantime yeah. until we decide to Put us in space or something. Yeah. <laughs> Until we go back to improv in six weeks. <laughs> um, but let's go on to commentary. We'll start with a brief detour into a Western toilet video, the best Chinese painting, mm-hmm. which is. Um, the painting, we've talked about it several times. It's a painting we saw in Chengdu and we really liked. And then the bar where we saw it got torn down and we have no idea you know, and this what is, happened to this the painting. This is the painting that that earlier person on, on subreddit commented about of how these somebody's stealing this great music to make these crappy videos, which is... Does he not like the music videos or he doesn't, doesn't like, like the... He doesn't like the music videos. He doesn't know anything about Hello Foreigner. Oh, okay. He doesn't like the Hello Foreigner music videos that we were putting... That go the Hello, with the music, the music of Western Toilet. Okay. Yeah, so he's okay. looking at this this video, which is just a still of this one painting. We close up on it. Yeah. Through the thing. But it's a still of this one painting deliberately made for you to look at the painting while you listen to the music because yeah. we put the music to the story elsewhere. So you don't know that. That's fine. Yeah. But this is a music video posted in a music forum. It's not a video forum. I'm just adding in the video. Oh, I see. Okay. Just so like he's, a, he's expecting just a, a sound sound, sound which or, or a music video, which people okay. put to this. Or if it's on YouTube, it's just like, it's just a picture or something mm-hmm. like. And he's seen one or two of them. And, and a lot of it is... Yeah, it's just like background for the music. I'm not yeah. like it's not a fully produced music video. I've got Jay Z here, like, so there. But there is the, intentionality in pairing the music with this visual. Yeah, yeah. So seeing seeing this video and and being like, it's pretty good music, but like these people are stealing somebody <laughs> else's music to put to their video. Is to their crappy <laughs> their video. crappy video. <laughs> It wouldn't be a video. All I did was just show a, a painting. Yeah. And li- please listen to the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the music's pretty good, but, like, why are you stealing? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, so to get back to the intentionality of why this song with this image is because mm-hmm. the music comes from our, our art. Mm-hmm. Art. A couple of punks in China. Foreigners. Is, foreigners want art. Foreigners want art. We've retitled a lot of things many times, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's a, the, so the vlog video was about, like, our experience of seeking out art in China, um, mm-hmm. and so we brought up this painting, and then, and I don't know if we discussed, it might have just been an in-studio discussion of, like, what it means to really look at art, and so the, mm. this video took this piece of art that we really like, and, like, asked you to hold your gaze if you are in fact watching the video not just listening to the track mm-hmm. hold your gaze on this picture for three minutes it's more like six six minutes <laughs> and and 
it's imperceptible that the frame gets closer and closer and closer on the painting. I mean, obviously, by the end of minute six, you're like, this is a different thing than I've right. been looking at at minute one. Um, and as it progresses, as it as you get closer and closer to the painting, as you would in the museum, you start to realize that what looked like, it's three, three. I'm assuming they're women, although it seems like a lot of people think that they're men. I think that they're men. Really? I yeah. thought they were women. I but think they're, as, they're mandarins, and so that the ponytail is a thing that the, the mandarins wore. Uh -huh. But they're blank faces, and as it closes in, then you start to see that there is actual, the artist did intend, with ever so slightly, you can see like contours to features. They're very abstract, but... Yeah. Like, but it isn't until you get close to a painting that you really start to see how it's made. Like when you're standing in a museum and you look at the brush strokes mm -hmm. and really understand, like when when an arm looks like an arm, and then you get close to it and you're like, "Wow, that's like 700 globs of paint all together." <laughs> like that's the museum experience, which is what we wanted to turn the video into, yeah. and which is what I wrote the music for. Yeah. To to get close to this painting that, yeah. that we saw and was, because we came here obviously with the eye for art, we came to China like looking, okay, what is art like? Not necessarily traditional art of, you know, 5,000 years, like, you know, we know right. what those look like and they're great to go into a museum and find, even though they're hard to find, but what is, what is modern art? What, what is stuff that's actually on the wall in a coffee house? And then when we found that one, it struck us so much that we wanted to spend time with it. That's yeah. That's what that's about. And also, it was an easy video to put together. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't get that, like, no no skin off. Which, the music was not easy to, yeah, it's a... It's oh, a, no, 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 art, just, but just, but, like, yeah. for all, for all this highfalutin, here's how we look at art, it also is, you took an image and zoomed in. <laughs> yeah. That, so, if a, you know, if you're not into that, if you don't care to take the time to... To look at what we're asking you to look at, that's totally fair. Well, I mean, the video itself is meant to listen to the music. Yeah. So, the the pastime is to look at the art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's yeah. The, that's a byproduct yeah. of. Yeah. Of I'm very proud of this orchestral piece of music that I put together. Like, yeah. Take six minutes and listen to that. Oh, and while you're there, take a look at this painting in case you get bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's the story of that video. Love it. Um. So we're we're gonna talk about three more videos, which is kind of the launch of Peter on the as as a character. I mean, obviously he's been in in a couple videos recently, um, and his role has and even in old ones. If you have an eagle, oh yeah, eye. he's he's like in the background of some. I'm always some an Easter egg somewhere. Um, but this is like the debut of Peter in his own right as a full blown character, which insecurity is compelling me to say. I also write these. We both write both, so I want I want credit, and Peter gets credit for the other stuff. This is what <laughs> what is so like. I think the fact that we put these together from scratch. There's like nothing that's borrowed from, yeah, any, from yeah. anything. We 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 write it. We we make tea and coffee while we do it. We yeah. We draw it. We paint it. We act it. We write it. We make the music we we shuffle the files we we, we move the the lights around we're yeah absolutely every single part of it and so when it is like they see your face on camera and they're like i mean i have uh, friends that have said like you know that's yeah i, I watched one of your videos it's great i don't know who this woman is like oh 
but I directed <laughs> the video and I wrote the music yeah. to it and I helped write it even to like and vice versa now that this is happening of if somebody's looking at it and going like oh wow I like this Peter guy like Emily wrote it yeah. Or even to just what we were just saying about the, the like, who's stealing this music? Right. Like, right. We do the whole thing. Nothing is borrowed from anywhere else. So that that's the yeah. frustrating part of, like, where you want to be protective of this stuff. Of, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, don't just think I, I took, you know, paintings from somewhere else or, like, mm -hmm. and, and stole things. Like That being said, Noodles... Noodles or Rice? Yes. What's the name of no it? Noodles. Noodles. Bucket of, bucket, bucket of Blood is the movie that it's from. Yeah. It's a direct parody of this movie, Bucket of Blood. So I did not write this. <laughs> Peter <laughs> kind, only kind of wrote this. I, I changed the, the the context of it to be well, not a bucket of blood, to be a bucket yeah. of noodles. But then, but you did help me touch up after the fact. Oh, yeah. I so, edited and I, I helped. I helped. I helped. And you shot um, the film. And I shot the film. But yeah, after, not, the, not the original '68 Roger Corman movie, but after making, yeah, I did not shoot that. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, the, just I, I was feeling neglected. <laughs> but so, Bucket of Noodles, it's a parody of this this old Cor Roger Corman film. Yeah, um, Bucket of Blood, which is is a kind of takedown like of pretentious artists in a horror fashion. Yeah. Um, and so this was... It's a beatnik comedy horror movie. Yeah. This kind of was an effort of, like, finding what Peter's character was going to be. We knew, like, this level of pretension that this artist character had was something that we wanted to try on. And so Peter adapted the, the opening monologue of the film, which is given by this pretentious artist in a cafe, in a beatnik cafe, um, who... And, and the pretentious artist is kind of the... I guess the antagonist of the film, if the murderer is considered the protagonist. Yeah. Mur he, murders happen, spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, he's sort not of... Not in our video. <laughs> the, the artist himself is um, the critic that yeah, is, he's, that's he's, pushing... He's yeah. acting counter to our point of view character, who is also an anti-hero. Yeah. Um, but so we wanted to try on that attitude for Peter's character... And so we, Peter kind of, to twist it into our world, made it a, a, an ode to noodles, um, which we hoped, and then from the response, would work for even if you weren't familiar with the film. Mm -hmm. um, and then people, people like talking about noodles, even if it's pretentious. <laughs> and so we, we set up like this kind of coffee house, old beatnik film vibe where I... I filmed it on the gimbal handheld, so we're moving around Peter's face, and we have the the lighting visible because this is like the the Brechtian. You can see the the player, and you can see the stage that he's on. Mm -hmm. um, and then the treatment you gave the post production was to make it it's black and white. Yeah, I did watch it. I just don't have a good me visual <laughs> memory. Um, but and give it like the cracks and pops of a mm -hmm. of an old lost film. And then the composition of Beatnik avant-garde jazz behind it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're just basically recreating the opening of this film. Yeah. The only thing is about noodles rather than yeah. art. Or but noodles as art. Because we liked the intensity of that character and wanted to see how it how it felt for you to try that on. Yeah, and, the, and I mean, it, it rings... I love the film. It's one of my favorite films because it's... It, 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 
it's it's timeless in that way of like what we're still talking about of people critiquing other people's art and what's real art and what's crap art and like the as this as we're developing this character as a person who is a, a China China splainer mm-hmm. that uh, is judging how other people are experiencing things and believes that he has the upper hand of how it should be experienced is what a lot of artists feel from critics. It's why artists hate critics because the critic is going to say like, well, you know, you you pulled this from here and you pulled that from there and you're not totally original about this. And that's kind of the, what the movie is, uh, the, Aside from the murders, is it? <laughs> so it was a it was a good place to start to like examine this character of, mm-hmm. of a know it all critic. Yeah, and to give you a little space to test out your acting, mm. um, and then the fact that that went well, um, we then sat down and wrote a bunch of little scripts inspired by. Um, so this is our point of departure, and I would like to make clear this is not. Like, the point of departure is other China vloggers. But we're not trying to be like, my head, you guys are stupid. It is just like, the the conversations that are being had in that community, what if we dropped this Peter character into it? Because we're also... Who is pompous, but also insane. Like, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not making fun of, it's more, again, a point of departure for our own insane ideas. And you can't help but be a stranger in a strange land and, and find yourself saying these absurd things. Like, a lot of this dialogue that we're writing is stuff we've said out of our own mouths. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like we're singling out one kind of person. We're, we're basically saying, as Westerners in China... This is the stupid crap we say that you and I say, yeah. that other people say, yeah. that, and we're looking at it and you know laughing at ourselves yeah. pretty much. That's that's what. what but we so find we, so we funny. took. I mean, the, the explainer has to explain something. So we took um, these kind of China topics, um, the two two of them being safety in China and dating in China, which if you watch them, they are not really about those <laughs> things, um, and I think. You know, it's again like Peter was saying to to make it clear that you're joking, especially because the delivery is so deadpan mm. um, and serious. You have you can take it like really pretty far. Yeah, <laughs> um, like being that like, I mean, the, for safety in China is ultimately go watch it. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Is about dragons, um, <laughs> not about like anything real. Well, we watched- and sneakily, ambiguously, I we wrote the script. I don't know if you caught on to this, but I've kept everything super vague that it maybe can refer to safety in America right now. Too. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's counter. Uh, it it has the the. Uh, there's so much of like if you follow anything like it's not like we we don't follow politics we we know what's going on Mm -hmm. and i watch all the vlogs of what everyone else is is worried about and the bottom line is that the two of us in the middle of sichuan can't do anything about anything and we can sit here and worry we can worry about earthquakes we can worry about the, the world falling on our little chicken heads but it's there's nothing we can do other than like 
let's just like laugh about it. So by taking taking that stance, like at least like we feel like we are doing something. Yeah. And 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 laughing at it at just just because we need a break. Like yeah. I, I for us to sit. We don't understand politics. We can follow it, but we don't understand what these people are doing. Yeah. And that that doesn't... You listening to us... You listening to us say what we think about it doesn't help any of us in this situation. So we decide to, like, laugh about it, and that's where that's yeah all coming from. Well, and that's... To bring back earthquakes is an interesting... Um, Maybe this should have gone in communication, but I just remembered it now. Um, we do, we do not. I do not, as a rule, watch television news because I, I disagree with the premise. I think news is not it's it's not entertainment. It should be work. You should have to read through an article that's been that has multiple points for you to digest and that's complicated, rather um, than like when... a, a flashy personality telling you headlines. But we do watch late night TV that skews political. Mm -hmm. um, you also worked in the business too. We, well, we both worked in in the, in, in the office. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. You weren't working in the politics side, but we worked on the other side of the wall, like yeah. like not the wall. Like you'd stand up and and be like, "What are you talking about?" Over right, there? right. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, was, you're in the office. There was a cubicle wall between me and the hard news people. Yeah. Um, but just thinking about this, so we do watch. Um, news-based comedy. <laughs> so we are, like, pretty up on what's happening in America. Not even comedy-based comedy at this point. Everything is yeah. just saturated with just, like, this oppressive... But it is weird being in China, so we're not, like, seeing the direct experiences of these things. Although from our, our friends and family at home, we do get updates of, like, how, you, you know, people being deported has affected people we know. Um, and just the idea that children are in cages uh, and that's being perpetrated by a government that claims to represent me is horrifying. Mm -hmm. um, just to get on a soapbox here. But <laughs> so, like, I'm well versed in the emergencies happening in America, but I do not have direct experience of them right now. Whereas in Luzhou, to bring it back to the earthquake, like, I... I was very scared about earthquakes and, like, is it fracking? Are we going to have to worry about our apartment tumbling down around our ears? I freaked out. So I did a lot of research, and it turns out, like, earthquakes are happening all of the time. <laughs> and we have... Our equipment is getting better and better at sensing them, so we have more and more, if you look for it, news about it. And and, and the, the fact I read is, like, in California, there's an earthquake every other day. So it is, like, that's not catastrophe to feel an earthquake. And so it, there's somewhat of like I'm freaking out about the earthquakes I feel. I don't need to freak out about the earthquakes I don't feel. Yeah. Um, and so to combine this with the news of like the earthquake happened on Monday, but I don't read Chinese that well, and we don't have a newspaper, and we don't watch the news. Um, not even bringing up issues of censorship. Um, but, like, so I don't actually know what's happening in China, so I'm not worried about it <laughs> to bring it all back of, like... So, yeah, like, I don't know. To, to a certain degree, I do feel like it's important to be well-informed and it's important to participate in your civil society and do, be a good person. But there is also a degree of which of, like, knowing about all of this stuff that you can't do anything about is just making you crazy. Mm -hmm. And so, like, are you safe? Maybe, sure. Mm. 
as safe as you can get, and then if you are fairly safe, and you can do something to help other people, that's great, but don't make yourself sick. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that, like, the unknown is not what's dangerous to you. Hmm. Um, oh, I, and dragons I would, are I would, what's dangerous to you. I would say, don't make yourself sick, but also don't make other people sick. That's, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah, the yeah, upsetting yeah. part of our, our real, if there's any... I mean, that is an actual problem problem with you, the YouTube... Yeah. Not just explainer culture, but like hate speech culture, yeah. which YouTube is perfectly tolerant of, yeah. um, is that it is spreading this fear that's unjustified, but it is really stirring people up and that's having real, real world consequences. So yeah, as like Peter was saying, if there is, if we're actually saying anything and we're not really, um, it is <laughs> We're like, talking about dragons. <laughs> maybe if you can approach the world with a more measured point of view and less fear mm -hmm. um that's gonna be better for all of us that's all we can do because we're just sitting here trying not to get crushed by earthquakes yeah <laughs> and ultimately there's nothing you can do about an earthquake it's gonna happen or it's not gonna happen it's mm -hmm. all it's all about your reaction <laughs> you can't control other people's thoughts but you can control your own behavior good reaction time that's yeah. why I play more video games yeah <laughs> and then, even sillier, dating in China yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> has no uplifting social message. It's just, well, it's just us goofing around. And, and looking at, um, and it's not just China blog, it's, it's anywhere. Not even outside of our own culture. One of the biggest blogs thing is like how to date. And, I, and it's hilarious because I'm middle-aged and I don't even remember the last time I dated. We barely even dated. We just knew yeah. each other. Like, we, we knew each other and then we got married. <laughs> so the idea of us giving any kind of experience to how to move to China and date is the, it's funny enough as the, that should just be a title and walk away from it. So we just thought, like, let's play with it. And, yeah. And then our, our long-running joke amongst each other is that um, babies, babies are fiends for yogurt. Mm. So that's where the line is, I'm not going to share my yogurt, is yeah. because, <laughs> of course... The assumption is you would know that a baby, if you have a baby, they're going to drink all the yogurt. Yeah, they're going to take your yogurt from you. Yeah. Um, so look out look out for our yogurt in-joke. That'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not, is it, oh, I guess that one is, is where editing mm. is super important. Because yeah, you, have, you have the live reading of, the live performance of drinking a yogurt, and if, if you were on stage... It would be super important for you to like in the moment be drinking your yogurt and drinking your yogurt, mm. and, and you it's were one able. Take. Yeah, it's one take, but you were able to cut it and and crop it in ways that gave it a lot of um, movement and depth to and what was time, actually like a very static action. Yeah, and once you put the soundtrack in it, and yeah, yeah using just simple things like zooming and yeah, little effects that like it actually just becomes like me sitting in front, like it took us three or four minutes to write it. Yeah. It took us a minute and a half to, to film it. Yeah. Like, and actually that last line, I'm not going to share my yogurt, um, mm. went through several iterations and it, it's another case of like it hinged on the word share. Like we yeah, tried yeah. other words and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, it had to be shared. Yeah. So that actually a simple concept, but pretty technical in yeah. execution. Um, a lot of work goes into this stuff. Yeah. But it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> that's my new catchphrase. <laughs> but let's go on to watch it. We watch it.
We gave you some homework last week to watch the animated Netflix series Tuca and Birdie, um, which was created by Lisa Hanawalt, who is the art director for BoJack Horseman. Um, watch that. Watch that. And I just saw a story today that the animation staff of BoJack just successfully unionized. And I oh. think it might be the same staff that works on Tuca and Birdie. So way to go, guys. <laughs> Fight for your rights. Um but so we're going to talk about Tuca and Birdie, which is the buddy comedy of two bird, humanoid bird characters. <laughs> um, that is on the surface very silly, but as you get into it, similarly to Bojack, that it, yeah. it's, it's actually dealing with a lot of issues. Um, and you were saying that what you appreciate about Tuca and Birdie um, is that unlike Bojack, they are good people. Mm. Bojack asks you to spend time with a guy who's like just been a crap. Yeah, he's his been, he's, life. he's been dealt an unfair hand in life, but he's also responded by acting like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Whereas these two young women are doing their best, and they're doing they're being they're being good people, and they're they're getting through. If they're an inconvenience to anybody, it's only because they. They're just trying to have a good time. They're not trying to hurt yeah. anybody ever. Yeah, well, and that, that they're committing social faux pas or, yeah. or anxiety-inducing um, anxiety stuff. They're Ra- rather than, anxiety. like, <laughs> encouraging a drug addiction yeah, or, yeah. or something. Or, like, um, screwing over somebody's career. Yeah, or... yeah. They're, they're more in the realm of, like, good people who... who they're good people. They're good people. As, <laughs> as, as animals. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, the show is a lot of fun, and it, it, it does get into some heavy stuff by the end, but it's totally earned, and it's also not, like, again, only because she works on both shows and she's so responsible for the character of both shows. She doesn't write BoJack, but she's part of the creative team. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll compare, like, some, Bojack is always, like, you know the second to last episode of the season is going to be devastating. <laughs> yeah. And this, the Tuca and Birdie dealt with some hard stuff, but it also was, like, pretty light about it the whole time, I would say. Not light, not making light of it, but it wasn't, like, that you needed, like, an hour of silence afterwards to process <laughs> yeah. what you just watched. Well, they, and they do, um... Nicely start to allude to that there's something like this is just episode by episode that there's a story that's going to play out through the entire. Oh yeah, the trauma season. doesn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, and so that it's build up to that actually. You feel like you're like, oh, these are just like some wayward, growing up kids that are finding their way into adult life, and uh, mm-hmm. by the time they start to like drop these little hints that they have these issues, you're just like, oh, oh, oh. So they. It gets heavier. And also, like, but at, from the perspective of a woman watching it, um, the the trauma is rooted in small incidents that every woman has faced. And, like, it is... The early, an early conflict in the series is um, Birdie works in an office with this guy who keeps, like, talking over her in meetings and stealing her ideas and not crediting her and, like mildly sexually harassing her which is just like i 
that's sadly just part of the fabric of being a woman in, in current society. But the way that it's told, it doesn't feel like issue of the week. It feels like we've finally we got a comedy about being a woman. Because <laughs> it is like that stuff is shitty when it happens to you, but you also can make fun of it and it also can be funny. Well, it's I, I really like how... Like, they do have, like, they have one character in particular who is, I mean, he's just a loud mouth, but is given, like... Played by the rooster? Played by the rooster, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that it, it does say things where where our main character, Birdie, like, she endures it in the moment and then is like, I don't feel good about this. Like, should I? And everyone else tells her that, like, you know, like, oh, that's fine. That's just the way he is. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel preachy. It actually feels like you're you you you're with her. Of like, is is she blowing it out of proportion? She's asking if she's blowing it out of proportion. Yeah, because and like, that's I mean, of the two main characters, I would say like I identify with Birdie, mm -hmm. and I have had best friends like Tuka. Mm -hmm. um, who is much more assertive and loud and, and go get him. Mm -hmm. um, so and it is part of part of the issue of of gender based harassment is that like in the moment it's not always sure it's not always easy to pinpoint what's wrong with a given mm -hmm. situation. Um, so I really appreciated that and I really loved I loved that it was just like unapologetic unapologetically about girls, but also like not. Not just like it's not man bashing either. Yeah, it's not man bashing, and it's not like ultra femme because there's only one way to be a woman. It was mm -hmm. very inclusive and open about like all women's experiences are varied, um, and also men are not on center stage here, mm -hmm. and that's and not a gender, big deal. And gender and race, yeah. And, uh, like the 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 supermodels are all actually like plants because they're all really tall. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's absurd in a way that like. And, you know, your animal farm kind of inclusion of anthropomorphic yeah. kind of characters that it all, it's inclusive to the entire vegetation world yeah. as well. <laughs> and I appreciated, and this was a conscious effort, and I know, I Lisa Hanawalt has a podcast with another um, female Hollywooder, <laughs> Emily Heller, who is a writer and, and producer on, on Barry, actually, mm. um, called Baby Geniuses, and they talked about this with... They had a so side recommendation. Baby Geniuses is a fun podcast. They had a guest on Jessica Gao, who is another TV writer for Rick and Morty, and they talked about their screenwriting practices, um, and that each of them tries when they write background characters, they make an effort to give like you don't have to always give a background character a name. You can just say like truck driver or janitor or whatever whatever the person needs to be and they were saying that they give those characters names and they give those names um that would be female or of an ethnicity because otherwise in their experience that role will get filled by a white guy mm -hmm. and nothing's wrong with white guys i'm married to one um, <laughs> but the, it is like it's so seen as the default, so that's their effort to to make that not the default is to introduce that at the script level that like, well, let's have a woman in the background here. And I really appreciated it. It's a, such a subtle thing, but on Tuka and Birdie, that most of the background characters are also women, and like mm -hmm. the the characters are, who are male, 
have a specific reason to be male. So they never even point this out, but it is like the default of the show is woman, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And again, like it, it's not it's not man hating whatever. <laughs> At no point do they say they hate men, and there's. Birdie's boyfriend is a, is a positive, good character who also gets a significant amount of screen time, but it's just men aren't the default, and that was like a really nice world to hang out in. Because yeah. it's actually a world that I live in. I don't actually, as a kindergarten teacher, I'm most of the staff is women. <laughs> um, so most of my background characters are women. <laughs> um, and birds. And birds. Yeah, we we have a bird. <laughs> um, but you you're you're you had a good point about nineties. Um, well, yeah, a lot of it really reminded me of in in the nineties. Um, there was a, a a pretty big movement, both when women and men, of these like the like the movies like to call the slice of life movement or, in comics. In comics, but it was also in movies, and you know, sort of in the slackerish mm-hmm. uh, music kind of scene uh, but the comics themselves were like all like small indie like at the time I I was working for the Ninja Turtles so I was kind of stuck somewhere in like the, like indie the creator of the Ninja Turtles yeah, yeah. not actual turtles <laughs> yeah, the, turtles were my boss that um so there is like a mainstream world that I was dealing with but like most of my friends that worked in that world in comics were reading these underground indie comics and that was it was like a big up and coming thing of like comics were changing like it's funny that we end up now with like these avenger movies and stuff which i love that they're fantastic but that was like kind of like well the narrative was like superheroes are for kids here's comics that are for grown-ups that are about grown-ups' problems. Yeah, about relationships. And, like, sometimes they, they can be surreal, and uh, some of them are murder mysteries. and like A, a, a lot of them are about how hard it is to be a struggling artist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, what comic book art, artists were doing in the 90s. Um, but there was a, a huge faction of them where the, uh, uh, these creators with titles like Dirty Plot and, and uh, Naughty Bits and the Homicidal Lesbian Terrorist and that... There were these women indie comics that were kind of surreal, dealing with very real stories about women and and their lives. That it kind of disappeared, like out of the nineties. Like the the whole scene itself kind of collapsed, I guess. Mm-hmm. But all these women, I'm not sure. Like some of them are still working in comics. I can see, but this seems like a, an outgrowth of like maybe. These creators that are working on things like Tuca and Birdie, I and I'm, I'd love to speak to them to like find out. Like, were you reading these comic books back in the nineties? Did you grow up with these things? Like, where like the the voice themselves are women's voices, which is why I, I I recognize it as a man. Of like, I've heard these voices before. They're not only the women that I choose to hang out with, but they were the artists that I was reading when I was younger. Like, where did those artists go? Yeah. Oh, they're appearing now on indie TV. Yeah. Or whatever, the aesthetic, I don't know what that channel is. The aesthetic but. was more than just like anthropomorphized birds. It was also like silly things like um buildings, uh, yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, like turtles as end tables, moving end tables that then could travel across town and like infest 
stuff or like scene changes being like a literal jumping of the characters from one scene through past a collage pastiche into the another scene and like that that the reality was being stretched um in a way that was very like old school like Warner Brothers but not in the male like freeze uh, uh um I'm trying to think of old, old uh, who are the, the three black and white. Stooges. The Stooges and stuff yeah. like that. Like, yeah. There's a very like male sense of taking that absurdity of comedy from back then yeah. that has transferred over into male comedy. But there's a, a female version of that that has this absurdist, and it does tend to be by personalizing, characterizing inanimate objects and uh, like, and I think I think giving voice to feelings that we usually repress is right, a big part right. of it um, because um, and, and putting outward aggression where usually it's just swallowed anxiety yeah. <laughs> because I noticed that in um, uh, uh, what was, what's the show that just ended with the uh, the Queen's girls Broad City. Broad City. Yeah, has a they lot also of that same had. Kind of, that was live action, but it was also very zany, and their reactions would be. And very when they did do a outside, cartoon version, outsized. They did do a whole episode that was a cartoon drug yes, trip that like yeah. was like, oh my god, this is nineteen nineties, mid nineties, indie women comics. Mm-hmm. That's is that where that went? I'm, it's back. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but I would like to think. Um, so right in with your comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so... Um, do we have one for next week? We do have one for next week. Um, we're going to go way back in time. We were talking all about women. Now we're going to talk about men only. <gasps> um, not quite, but mostly. Um, Monty Python and Mr. Show in conversation with each other. Because, um, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. all sketch comedy has been influenced by Monty Python, but I think mm. we'll talk about this next week, that there's a direct line between what the Pythons were doing and what Bob and David were doing. Mm. Um, so, dust off your old VHS tapes, uh, <laughs> check that out, and we'll be back next week with more China spoilers. In the meantime, noodles to you. Noodles.